Good morning. I'm not in my driveway and I wanted to fake it for you, but I remember 10 seconds after, this is The Commute. This is Chris Engel coming at you partially live. It's live where I am. It's like how a picture of you is always a picture of when you're younger. The old Mitch Hedberg bit, because it's recorded in the past. It can't be a view from the future. That'd be ridiculous. So here I am coming to you live from the past. Gonna go back in time. It's crazy to me the SNL references that people don't get. And honestly, the ones that they do. You can tell who was watching since they were a kid. Uh, and those who just heard about it through the cultural phenomenon that it is. Uh, and Michael and I were talking yesterday. There's things like Riot Games, League of Legends, and uh, EVE Online, and Team Fortress 2 that are these huge cultural phenomenons. But to really get into them takes a lot of time. Especially League of Legends because it's such a toxic community that I'll just never get the references to mid lane top jungler with a ring of haste and two plus cc's of diet triathlon stat. I assume they're all doctors. It is crazy the amount of knowledge that people cram in for various professions and then the amount of knowledge they'll cram in for hobbies or karaoke night. Uh, it's, it's interesting, I mean I took one brain course in college and it uh so I'm by no means an expert uh at all in anything ever in fact why would you listen to this why are you listening to the commute Mike brought up a good point of uh let's get some feedback from the listeners I dropped on the channel page an email address contact the commute at gmail.com so if you have any thoughts just email them to us or if you've already been emailing us maybe Mike and I should check that email sometime uh, I think the password is password2, so in case you forgot, Mike. <laughs> brain stuff. Uh, there was a thing yesterday of brain scientists finally resolve Zeno's paradox because humans only see the world 300 milliseconds at a time, so there is a discrete timeline for humans to process information. It's, yeah, I thought that was already decided pretty clearly. I mean, we don't see less than... Uh, a Planck length of distance because that's less than the universe to our best knowledge at this point can process. Which is interesting because if we were living in a simulation there would have to be some smallest distance and uh, that's exactly what a Planck length is. There has to be some resolution at which the simulation is running. And a Planck length is very, very, very small. There's several dozen varies I believe I'm missing. But it does end at some point to our current knowledge. And then immediately, scientists and theologians and everyone starts asking, right, but what's beyond that? What created the first cause? And it's like, well, the first cause created time, so you're asking a meaningless question. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Well, it's probably like the sound of two hands clapping, but that's the sound of one hand clapping. It's just one hand hitting itself, open and closed. Unless you're defining clapping as two hands hitting each other, then the sound of one hand clapping is, that's me hitting nothing. Because it's a meaningless term. It's the tree falls in a forest thing. The, the only real answer is to dissolve the question. What do you mean by sound? Do you mean sound waves propagated or they were perceived by something with sentience? Because sound exists with or without sentience. You don't need someone to hear it for it to be for sound waves to exert pressure on the universe. I'm gonna drink some La Croix. This episode brought to you by Cool Refreshing La Croix. You know, bubbly water. 
Cool, refreshing LaCroix. Please don't buy a soda stream. Cool, refreshing LaCroix. You can return the cans for five cents in some states. Um, and there's an interesting theory of value there as well. I like letting my mind ramble. I can't imagine anyone wants to listen to this. But I have stopped collecting cans and recycling. I'll put them in my recycling bin. But I like that my state has a fee for returning the cans because uh, it does mean a lot to some people. And if it happens less in my neighborhood now than it did in Los Angeles, but if someone needs to go through my trash to make the five, ten cent return, good, they clearly need that money more than I do. Like, by definition, that is how that works. Um, and I tried to do a stand-up joke. My problem with stand-up jokes is what I thought was comical about it made me seem insensitive. But I, I love the policy decision of this is a way to benefit people who will take the time to benefit from it. And I've seen house parties in Michigan where there are hundreds of cans and it's like, yeah, whatever. It's like, well, I guess five bucks isn't a lot to you if you have a massive house, but that's irrelevant to the discussion. It, it's still a good policy because it's incentivizing recycling, something that was new at the time. I think if you were trying to incentivize something that was already fun, I think psychology says that people start doing those mental calculations of, okay, well, what should I be earning? And if I can't even earn a minimum wage from this, then I should pick up more hours at McDonald's or whatever, because it doesn't make sense to do this thing that used to be fun for money. And I think that's what a lot of the struggle early on with YouTube partners was. I think if they didn't have massive subscriber bases, it was hard to say, this is enough money to justify taking the thing you once loved and making a real job out of it. And I think there's there's science behind that. I don't exactly remember the term or the paper now, but it's when you give people the option of receiving cash for a thing they used to find fun, they instantly find it less fun and they're less likely to do it. Unless, of course, it's a lot of cash and then it's like, well, of course I'll take the cash. But it's the problem with the UGC economy, the, the content creation economy. I'm doing this podcast because it's fun. If I found out I was making $2 from it, I would be kind of pissed that I should be listening to other podcasts to make me smarter so that I could be better at my job and get a raise and that would be a better effective use of my time. But the other thing is humans aren't really like that. It comes from this assumption of this rational economy spending human, which doesn't exist anywhere in nature. Even Warren Buffett has given away billions, which is suboptimal. And after specifically saying he wouldn't give to his family, he's giving billions to each of their charities, which true isn't going to his family, but just imagine, I mean, isn't that the goal of being a billionaire though? Being able to spend it how you want. So rather than not working, you sit on a board of a charity, which does fine. I was reading about um, Warren Buffett's son who did fine and was giving money to, I think, educational causes. No, it was uh, hunger and poverty and how he would team up with Bill and Melinda Gates and accomplish solving world hunger. And then suddenly your dad donates a billion dollars. It's like, well, I can pay myself a living salary because I am running the thing. And then spend money helping people. That sounds awesome. Which you would hope is what your kids would do anyways if they were good kids. Um, if you gave them a billion dollars, but more likely they would just try to either grow the money or drugs. 
trucks are cool. It is fascinating that we live in a scientific enough society that we can know the cause and effect of all these drugs. And that's why Arrowhead, I think, was groundbreaking. Uh, Arrowhead.org was like a drug Wikipedia when I was in high school, middle school, maybe. And all my nerdy friends got super into it because they realized D.A.R.E. had been lying to them for so long that, oh, maybe weed's not so bad and maybe I can make a form of LSD from these seeds they sell in the local supermarket. And then they tried those things and it didn't completely ruin them. Well, it did make them less scientific and more prone to go to fish concerts, but it's fascinating that that information is available to us. The information to expand your own consciousness, as they would put it. I think it... I find it hard to believe that altering your brain state improves it. Like, dulling your brain with alcohol feels good and makes you feel smarter, but it definitively does not make you smarter. There is some research that, uh, I think it was LSD and ecstasy can have some psychotherapeutic effects, and LSD does change the way your brain processes information to be more like a baby, um, which is a weird scientific thing to say. I, I hate getting all my news from these internet clickbait articles, but I can't read through every research paper to learn about stuff. There's just not time. But the explanation was it undoes some of the existing connections you've built up over the years so that you can think through new patterns of information, which is fascinating and does lead to some interesting discoveries. There's rumor that Watson and Crick were on LSD when they thought of the atom, or maybe they were dreaming, probably both. And of course, Steve Jobs did LSD, but you have to wonder if someone that smart would have gotten to it eventually, or if they needed something to undo their former mental habits to think different. And is it actually making you smarter, or is it like a forced writing exercise where you only have certain words, like you can't use the letter E, and you have to accomplish something? And you can accomplish something great, but you could have... Could you have deductively thought through it quicker? And that falls back to, well, humans aren't intuitively deductive. <laughs> intuitively deductive. Anyways, I'm at work, and so I guess to sum up today's lesson, brains are weird, huh? What's the deal with brains? Thanks for listening. This has been The Commute. Have a great day, Michael.